0: Good morning. Welcome to Cross Point Fellowship. We're glad you're here. Um, if you're a visitor this morning, I know I've already met a few first time visitors. We want you to uh, please give us an opportunity to get more acquainted with you and hopefully give you an opportunity to get more acquainted with us. And if you'll go to this welcome booth as soon as the service is over, um, uh, the Browns will be there and uh, they'll meet you there and give you a packet of information about us uh, because we hope that you will not, you know, if we met on the street, you wouldn't claim to know everything about us or me if you would just spend an hour with us. And we wouldn't claim to know everything about you just spending an hour with you. And so we hope that you will uh, continue to visit with us and get to know us here at Cross Point, and that um, we can hopefully get to know you and you can hopefully be on a journey somewhere with God's people. And um, we hope that that might be here and we're glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. Uh, we're going to pray uh, before we get started. We're going to pray for, uh, hopefully praying for me, and we're going to pray for our congregation as we hear from God's Word. We're also going to pray that for another church here in town. And I want to pray for Fellowship Bible Church here in Greenville, just right around the corner here, around the road, uh, behind L3. And Travis Chappelle is their pastor, and his wife is Kayla. So let's, let's pray for them. That, um, and let's pray the same things for us as we prepare to hear this message this morning. Father, we want to lift up this morning Travis Chappelle. And um, we want to pray that you would be uh, giving him clarity even now before he preaches. We're praying for his marriage. We lift him up to you and his marriage up to you. That they would be enjoying one another. And that the ministry of preaching and leading a church would not be something that is um, too much for their marriage to bear. We pray that you are surrounding, and hope, hopefully you're surrounding him with men to help hold him up and lead with him, and even preachers and teachers to preach and teach with him. And uh, we pray for their congregation this morning, that they would have attentive hearts and they would hear from you, and that they would um, continue to be transformed by the good news of Jesus this morning. And uh, we pray that for us as well that you would uh, keep us attentive to what you have to say to us through your word, and that we would continue to walk faithfully in this new year, that we would continue to listen to you and your word, and let that shape us into the people that your will intends for us to be. Uh, We're thankful uh, for all that you've done this past year, uh, good and bad, knowing that in your providence, Nothing happened by chance this year. And we pray that we would be a people that would submit and yield and be mindful of your will, your providence, your sovereignty in the coming year. And as we prepare for a new year, we pray that we we would become that people starting today, the last day of 2017. We're grateful that you would use us. Grateful that you would use us to continue your forever kingdom. And so we hope to hear from you this morning. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, this is the last day of 2017. And I'm sure most of you have uh, some resolutions, right? Some, uh, At least you've thought maybe about it. Maybe you've been too busy. Or some hopes, some dreams, some plans for what 2018 might look like. Maybe you're... Celebrating today not just the coming of 2018 but maybe you're celebrating the passing of 2017 maybe it hadn't been that great of a year um, wherever you find yourself what I hope we can see this morning is or maybe answer this question how do a people a faith filled people saved by grace undeserving how do we Plan, make plans, look to the future, dream, and how do those plans and dreams envelop into faith? And how does faith intersect with our plans? So how does a faith-filled people make plans? That's what I hope to answer this morning. If you would, turn to James chapter 4 with me. We're going to look at verse 13 through 17. That's going to be our primary text this morning. Some scholars believe that the book of James is a letter. It's addressed to uh, the dispersion, which is the afflicted church that's moving out in affliction, but the church is spreading and growing. And um, so it's addressed to a general people, but some scholars, and I tend to think, that James is more of a wisdom book, a book of wisdom, similar to Proverbs you see a lot of cross-references to Proverbs. If you have a study Bible and you look down the middle, you see a ton of cross-references to Proverbs in James. It's almost like the book of James is a book of wisdom resolutions. If you're going to say and claim you have faith, if you're going to yield your life to God and give your life to Christ and follow Him and call yourself a Christian and be a part of His church, then James would say, well, this is what you would resolve to be. If you lack wisdom, ask God. That's how he starts the book. So a wisdom book, if you lack wisdom, ask God. And here are the things you would be wise as believers to resolve to be. Does that make sense? So as we're making resolutions, here's a book that James would say, people of God, resolve to be these things in light of Christ, in light of who he is and in light of who you are. Resolve to be these things. Now, a real quick sweep of the book of James. It starts out, and one of the resolutions is, be a people who take joy in your trials knowing that it produces endurance. And our natural reaction is to say, God, fix it. Take me out of this affliction. Take me out of this trial. Take me out of this tragedy, this hardship. And James would say, be a people who say, God, thank you for the trial because I know what it's doing to me. It's producing an endurance so that I'll continue in my faith. Resolve to be a people quick to hear and slow to speak. Listen to what he has to say, and then beyond that, do it. And then the other next theme, you could read these in the the headings, I'm just kind of giving you my sweep of it, is be a people that are impartial. Don't be partial to people who benefit you, the rich. Don't be partial to people who can, by your friendship, you benefit. Be impartial with all men. Resolve to be a people whose faith is not void of good works. Resolve to be a people who your faith is proven by how you live. Resolve to be a people who understand that your words are powerful and your tongue can destroy. So be careful, and especially those who preach and teach. Be careful with what you say. Be careful with your words. Your words are powerful. And resolve to be a people... Who? Look for true wisdom in your leadership. Resolve to be a people who hold your leadership accountable to be wise. And how do you know what wise leadership looks like? And James says this is what it looks like. Resolve to place yourself under wise leadership. And then there's a section in chapter 4 of the pride versus humility. Resolve to be an humble people. And he gives us examples of what pride looks like and what humility looks like. And what God thinks about the proud. And what God thinks about the humble. And that's where we're going to look at our passage this morning. Right at the end of pride versus humility. And then he wraps up with this book. With a warning to those who live in abundance. A warning to rich. A warning to those who enjoy abundance. Things are going their way. The economy is good. Fruitful ministry. Fruitful vocation plenty of opportunity and there's a warning to them and then he ends it with a sweet encouraging prayer to all the church and so that's the sweep of James now we're going to look at in this section on pride versus humility we're going to look at James 4 13 through 17 a warning to those who are blessed in abundance cross point you may say well I'm not rich You know, look at that guy or look at that guy. I mentioned this in our offering sermon for our missions offering last spring. That the last 18, 24 months, our whole area, Greenville and the surrounding area, is enjoying a lot of hiring, a lot of people moving here. You know, the economy's good, businesses are doing well, not a ton of folks out of work. Most of us are enjoying abundance especially in light of the rest of the world and so this warning is to us if you're sitting there saying well I'm not the rich guy in the room yeah you are (laughs) we are all walking in abundance living in abundance and there's a warning here for us and there's a resolution for all of us as we make plans for 2018 how will we plan for this next year and all this abundance in humility yielding to his will how does that happen let's read the passage verse 13 James 4:13 Come now you who say Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. He is speaking to, in particular, businessmen or anybody who has a vocation that provides income. So businessman, salesmen, people who work for a company that makes money, right? Anybody who is making money or employed in, in any way, And what are your plans? How are you thinking about that? How are you making plans for this next year? How do you make plans for your household? And he's saying, those of you that say that, I will go such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Now, planning is not the culprit here. Planning is not the culprit. Saying, I'm going to have a good plan for my family, my business... My company, I want to I make a good plan to be a good employee and to do well. That's not the culprit here. It's okay to make plans. In fact, Scripture encourages us to make plans. I'm going to have you turn to several Scriptures, about two or three this morning, but I want you to just jot these down. I told you that James has a lot of connection to Proverbs. So listen to what Proverbs has to say about planning. Proverbs 15 22. Without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, they succeed. The writer of Proverbs says, make plans. And in fact, make plans in plurality. Make plans with other people's counsel. It is not a bad thing to make a good plan and let others speak into your plan. For your family, for your business, for your church, for your parenting. Make a plan. And a plan that has other people speaking into it will succeed. So a successful plan is encouraged. Do you see that? Scripture encourages us to plan. Proverbs 21.5 The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance. But everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Make a plan. Be diligent to plan. And then be diligent to work the plan. That is not a bad thing. That is not sin to have a plan and to work it diligently. That's not the sin here. The sin is in verse 16. Your arrogance. You're trusting your plan. you saying, we have a good plan. The economy's great, right? Things are going our way. Things will look up in 2018. And here's the plan. Man, I got a good plan. We're gonna gonna make more money this year. We're gonna work harder. I'm gonna get a new job. We're gonna save more. Whatever that plan is. And when you sit back and go, man, I feel better now. Boy, I feel better now that we have a plan. It's just gonna, it's just looking up. I'm really optimistic about what's coming. You know, it's only gonna get better if the economy gets better, right? It's just going to get better in 2018, and it's just confidence. That word boast in the original language is a confident security. You who have a confident security in your plan, you have a confident security in your money, a confident security in the things that are going well for you. And if it's going well, man, we can relax a little bit, finally. It's going to be okay if we have a good plan and we work it, that's what will make everything okay. And that's what James says is arrogance and is sin. Do not rest, have confidence and security in your plan and when it's going well for you. all right. You know what this sounds like? It sounds like the rich fool in Luke 12. Turn to Luke chapter 12 real quick. Keep your finger in James 4. This is a parable that a little short parable that Jesus shares. And it's, most people think this is about generosity, and it is, about being a generous people. But look at here, look here what happens to this man when he's in abundance, things are going well for him, and look what he does. He makes a plan. And he makes a plan with the total disregard of something. I want you to see it. Luke chapter 12, 18, verse 18. Let me find it. This is the rich fool speaking, and he said... Let's back up to 17. Sorry, 16. Let's deal with 16. And then he told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully abundance he thought to himself, what shall I do for I have nowhere to store all these crops and he said I will do this, okay, see it I'll make a plan. this is what I'll do with all the extra I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones and there I will store all my grain and my goods and I will say to my soul, soul you have ample goods laid up for many years, relax eat drink Be merry. That's arrogance. Do you see it? The confidence, the security in his plan of what he's going to do, how he's going to develop a plan for all that's been provided him, for his diligent work, right? Ah, I can just relax because I've had such a good plan. Now I've got an even better plan, and I'm going to build bigger barns. Then I can just know that I've got plenty and I can rest in a good plan. And then, verse 20. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. And that is where the generosity comes in. But here's what's happening. This rich fool has no regard For the providence of God. This is what I mean by that. When he is enjoying this abundance. He is not thinking. At all. About what God may intend to do with his abundance. Hasn't even crossed his mind. What God's will is. Does that make sense? Do you see that? He is not thinking. About the providence of God. How might my heavenly father choose to use all this abundance for his will doesn't even enter his mind he's just making a good plan and he is confident in it and he is finding great security in a good plan to enjoy the abundance and he's resting and he's resting in the wrong thing and it is boasting and it is evil. Planning and fretting and scheming in order to find security and rest is foolish and sinful. There's a false peace that comes from our pride and our planning apart from the providence of God without any regard for what He intends to do. You may be sitting there thinking, "What is okay?" so this rich fool has a blatant disregard for the providence of God. There's no consideration for what God might want to do or what God might be doing So what is this providence? What does that mean? Well, in the Heidelberg Catechism, there are two questions about the providence of God. Now, a catechism is not scripture. Okay, a catechism is a training uh, book that teaches us and reaffirms truths that come from scripture, and they start with questions and then an answer. Okay, so this I found these two questions to be the greatest. Illustration and definition of what providence is. Okay, Now this is question 27 and question 28 about providence. And I want you to read it with me. It should be on the screen. What is the providence of God? Question 27. What do you understand by the providence of God? Now hang on. It's not hard to remember the craziness of the last few weeks, right? I can see it in some of your eyes. When you walked in here, right? The anxiety, the pressures, the busyness. It's, it's very easy for us to forget God, right? Especially in this season. To forget what he's up to. Forget what he intends. To forget who's in control. Is anybody in control? Doesn't feel like it. So it's not easy to forget what we've, the season we've just come out of, right? So listen to the answer to what do you understand to be the providence of God. Look at this. The Almighty... The everywhere present power of God. Whereby, as it were by His hand, He still upholds heaven and earth with all creatures. And so governs them that herbs and grass, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, meat and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty, indeed, all things come not by chance but by His fatherly hand. Not by chance. But by His fatherly hand. That's what we understand to be the providence of God. That nothing happens by chance. Nothing will happen by chance. That He is sovereign and reigning and ruling. And He even causes herbs to sprout. And He even, the Scripture tells us, works evil for good... He is orchestrating all of it. Question 28. Next slide. So what does it profit us to know that God created and by His providence upholds all things? That we may be patient in adversity. This is the convicting and exciting part, by the way. That we may be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for what is future. What's going to happen in the future for what's going to happen in 2018, have good confidence. Not in our plans, but in our faithful God and Father. And here's why. That no creature shall separate us from His love, since all creatures are so in His hand that without His will, they cannot so much as move. Providence. His hand. Nothing. No creature will so much as move. An accurate view of the providence of God, His hand in all things, is humbling and at the same time brings great peace and rest and confidence, Christian. An accurate remembering of His providence brings confidence. Not your plans, not your money, but providence. Planning, For 2018 is not evil. It's not sinful to have a good plan and it's not sinful to be diligent about it. What's sinful is to rest and boast in your plan with total disregard for His providence. Now, back to James James. chapter 4. Look at what he says next. Verse 14. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. Proverbs tells us in 27 verse 1, Proverbs 27 1, Do not boast about tomorrow. You don't know what the day may bring. You don't know. Don't establish your plans so as to feel safe and secure. Don't establish your plans without any regard for His providence. You don't know. You are not God. So what are you? What are we? Who are we? He says it. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You're a mist. Even Solomon, the wisest man, in Ecclesiastes calls life a vanity. He calls it a vapor. Right? Even the wisest man would say life is a vapor. James says... You're a mist. And no one in here this morning is exempt from the experience of your plans not working out, right? If you're in here today and you say, I'm a diligent planner, I've made plans, I've had hopes and dreams, and every one of my plans have worked out. I want to go to lunch with you. No one is exempt from your plan not working out. You know this. You know that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow if if he tarries, if he doesn't come back before 2018, right? You don't know what he has planned for you. You don't know what tomorrow will bring. Mist, vapor, smoke. A mist, a vapor, and a smoke is talking to other mist, vapors, and smokes this morning, okay? Okay? Do we know who we are? Poof. Even David shows us that we're smoke. And here's where we learn it the most, and that's why James talks so much about adversity and trial, is you never really know how much of a mist, smoke, and vapor you are until you're in a trial. When adversity comes... Whether that's parenting, money issues, tragic health situation. Any curveball that comes to your life. We've all had them. And some of you had an inordinate amount of curveballs in 2017. You well know what adversity and suffering and trial feel like and look like. And that's when you know who you really are. And that's why it's good. Do you see that? That's why it's good for the Christian. That's why the trial is good, because it reminds us who we are. David shows us in Psalm 102. This is the second place I want you to turn. Psalm 102. And David is in the midst of a trial. We don't know the specific trial. We don't know the details of this trial. But we know he is under affliction and he's hurting. Things are not going his way. And I want to read just a few verses here. I want you to listen to what he says about his life as he's under affliction. Verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day of my distress. Incline your ear to me. Answer me speedily in the day when I call. For my days pass away like smoke. And my burnt, my bones burn like a furnace, my heart is struck down like grass and has withered. I forget to eat my bread. Things are so bad I forgot to eat. I am distressed, and what I know is I'm not gonna last. My days are like smoke, and I can see it, and I'm I know it because of the trial. Look at verse eleven. My days are like an evening shadow. And I wither away like grass. He knows. The trial has produced a knowledge and an awareness in him of who he really is. And what his plans really can do. And what he can really do. And how eternal he really is on his own. Smoke, vapor, and mist. But look at verse 25. He says, Of God, of old you laid the foundation of the earth. And the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. I hope you see where this is headed, right? Smoke, mist, vapor, and the providence and the will and sovereignty of God will never end. He will change things like a garment, like a robe like an outer garment, easy to take off, right? Just, boom, and I can just put a new one on you. That's God, not you. He can change circumstances, and He orchestrates as He pleases. He can, and He does. And His ways and His um, days have no end. Your days have end. My days have end. David's days had end. So what is your life? How can we make plans? How can smoke, mist, and vapors make plans with no regard for His providence? That doesn't make any sense. How can we boast in our plans when our days have an end? How can we do that? It doesn't make any sense. It does not reconcile with the people of God, faith-filled, believing in a providential God. And I guess the greater warning here, really... um, is be careful if you're not in some sort of trying time right now. The greater caution here is if things are really going well for you, don't feel guilty about it. That's that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm not trying to shame you. If things are going well for you, great. Praise be to God. But here's the caution. If things are going well for you, if things are going your way, and you are not experiencing adversity, you're still amiss the smoke and the vapor. Don't forget it. And don't forget his providential hand. Don't. All that to say, don't get arrogant. That's when the arrogance creeps in, right? We we do really feel better about ourselves when things are going our way. When diligence pays off, when diligence pays off for us, we've worked hard and we see fruit, that is when the arrogance can creep in. And we can say, Boy, that plan worked. I'm going to make another one. I'll build a bigger barn. And then before you know it, there's no regard for what God is up to. What is He doing? What is His will? We do tend to think better of ourselves when things are going well. Now, the third thing. James chapter 4. Back to James. James. The third thing he says here. Instead of boasting in your plans, this is what you ought to say. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills it, we will do this or that. So... What is His will? We're going to look at that in a minute. He's very clear in Scripture on what His will really is. But God does what He pleases. If it pleases Him, He does it. Psalm 135, 5. For I know that the Lord is great, and that our Lord is above all gods. Whatever the Lord pleases, He does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all the deeps. He it is who makes the clouds rise at the end of the earth. Who makes lightning for the rain and brings forth the wind from storehouses? He is up to something, Christian. He is orchestrating. He is doing something. And it's bigger than any plans you could make. He already has a plan. He has a will. And as we make plans, we say, Lord, if it fits in your will, it'll happen. If it fits in your will, we submit our plans to Him, and He is gracious to fold our plans into His great plan. This sounds a lot like his response to Job. When all of Job's plans fell apart, he was doing all the right things. An upstanding man, a good businessman, had all the right plans, and everything went south for him. And his complaint to the Lord was, "I just don't get it. What are you doing?" And Job's response, or God's response to Job is, "Hey Job, were you there when I hung the sun? Were you there when I told the stars to sit right there, and when I told the moon to come up last night, and when I told the sun to go down? Was that you? Remember, David, you laid the foundation of the world, not me. And so if the Lord wills it, it's going to happen. So what is His will? How do we have this repentance and humility and admission that we don't know better than God? In fact, the cool thing is, James says, this is actually how you came to faith. This humility, this admission that you don't know better to God, than God, it's actually how you came to faith. And I hope we haven't forgotten it. Just look up the page there at verse 7 of Ch- James chapter 4. Look at verse 7. Or 8, look at 8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. You came to Him mourning the fact that you were a mist and a vapor, that you were sinful, and that you were not eternal, and that you were not the Creator, but that you were created. That's how you came to faith. Whether you know it or not, that's how we have come to Him. Let's not forget that that's how He saved us in our admission that we are not God and that we don't know better and that we're actually doomed without Him. And so we came to Him in humility. That's how we were saved, through an humble repentance, admitting that we don't know better. He chose us as His possession. He works on our behalf. He is great but He is gracious to take our plans and mold them into His plans. Crosspoint will be uh, 15 years old this year, I think. I think that's right. Yeah, 15 years old. And, um, you know, looking back on the last 15 years, um, it's easy to recount all that He's done. And it's easy for those of us that have been here for most of that time, if not all of it, to be humble. Because I think about some of our plans that we made, you know, early on and then even halfway through, and even this past year, and how we took these plans and we thought, yeah, that's it. You know, did y'all know we used to have children's church here? Yeah, that was a good idea at one point. And we decided, hey, God said, no, that's not who I want you to be. Okay, we've had youth ministers. Scott was our youth minister at one time. And God said, no, that's not who I want you to be. And so all these plans have been made. We survived a pooping and parking campaign. We actually had a campaign called pooping and parking in order to fix the sewage system. Not a good good plan, really, to call it that. But it worked, right? (laughs) These humble, crazy plans. We, We were tight on money. Scott and Ben went several weeks, maybe even years, you know, don't cash that check just yet. <laughs> we had all these plans to be who God wanted us to be. And some of our plans didn't work out. We're not doing some of those things that we started to do. But He has taken those little plans and He has turned us into the people He wants to be because of humility and no other reason. If we look back on the last 15 and say, Boy, we, that was a good plan but we did good there that's arrogance but he's taken all of our little short-term and long-term plans and he has folded them into his plan for this people and that's why we sit here today that's why we enjoy each other enjoy him another sunday it's because he was good enough to take our plan and use it into his plan his will so what is his will What is he up to? We need to get that. This is the last place I'll have you turn. 1 Chronicles chapter 17. What is his will? I want you to look at what he does with David's plans, David's intentions. David is coming to the end of his reign. He's had a lot of success, he's also had a lot of failure. And so David comes up with a plan. He has a burden. Okay? Remember, plans aren't bad. Boasting in them is bad. Boasting in them is in sin and it's arrogance. But he has a plan. It's not a bad plan. He has some really good intention. He feels burdened by something and he feels called to do something. But watch what God does with his plan. And watch how David responds to the Lord's will. Okay? That's what I want you to see. David has a plan. And watch how God folds his plan into his bigger plan. And then watch David's response to the Lord's will. Look at verse 1. Now when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. David is burdened that God dwells in a temporary dwelling, and I've got a nice house with cedar. And so he's burdened to build God a temple, a better place to be and dwell with his people. It's a good burden, right? It's a good plan. Got the resources. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to build God a temple. Not a bad plan. And he's got the resources and the faithfulness to pull it off. And look at what God does with his plan. He says to him in verse 3 But that same night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan Go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, it is not you who will build me a house to dwell in. Okay? Thank you for your intention and your plan. You're not going to do that. You're not. I'm going I'm to change this thing here like a robe. I can do that. I'm God. And you have a good plan, David, but I'm going to change it. You're not going to be the one to build. And then he goes in the next few verses and says, I'll take care of my dwelling among my people in the next few years, but your reign is going to come to an end and you're going to die, David. Your reign will come to an end. I'm going to share with you the plan, not just for the temple. I'm going to go past the temple. I'm going to share with you what my will is beyond this temple. That I'll get built with somebody else. I don't need you to do it. You're going to prepare for it. But David, what I want to do is I want to share with you what my will is, what I'm up to, what I'm going to do. Thank you for your plan. I'm going to change it a little bit, and then I'm going to tell you what I'm really up to. And it's bigger than the temple. Look at verse, the second half of verse 10. Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled, to walk with your fathers when you die, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons. And I will establish his kingdom. He will build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before you, but I will confirm him in my house and in my kingdom forever and His throne shall be established forever. David, you have a good plan, but I'm going to change it, and I'm going to show you what I'm really up to. I'm going to build a house through Jesus. I'm going to build a forever kingdom in Jesus, invisible kingdom in the hearts of men on earth, and it's going to be bigger than any temple. It's going to be bigger than Israel. This is going to go to the whole world. Bigger than your plan. And I'm going to do it through you, David. Your lineage, one of your sons, from your bloodline. I'm going to use you to establish my son, and his kingdom will never end. That's my plan. And so look at David's response. Verse 16. Then David, King David, went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me thus far? And this was a small thing in your eyes. Verse 18. And what more can David say to you for honoring your servant? He's talking to about himself in the third person. What? I don't have anything else to say. You've you got a bigger plan and you're going to use me? Verse 21. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem, to be His people, making for yourself a name for great and awesome things, driving out nations before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt, and you made your people Israel Israel? to be your people forever. And you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord, let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning this house be established forever and do as you have spoken. Lord, if if you will it, let it be. I have a plan if the Lord wills it. And this is what His will was and is and will continue to be, church. His will is to continue to build His forever kingdom through Jesus in the church. That's His will. For 2018, that's what He's up to. And that's what He's doing. He is continuing to build His forever kingdom in Jesus, or through Jesus, in the church. Wow! He's still doing it. And he's still going to do it in 2018 if he doesn't come back. That's his will. That's what he's doing. So what is our response? Mists, vapors, and smokes. What is our response? Who are we? Right? Who are we? That you would use us to build your forever kingdom through Jesus in the church. The humility, you hear the humility that comes from David's response? That's the only appropriate response for for us in 2018. Lord, we're going to make plans. Jesus promised to build His church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. That's a good plan. And that's us. That is what He's doing now. And every one of our little plans will fold into His will unless we are arrogant and prideful with our plans. So, your plans for a healthier lifestyle this year, your plans for work, working harder, maybe getting more hours, more money, maybe your parenting goals, Bible reading goals, family time goals, All the living that you do. He can fit that into His will. He can. He fits that into His will through an humble people. Not an arrogant people. When an humble people make plans and say, I'm doing all this, I'm making these plans, but God, if you will it, use my plans into your greater plan of redeeming a people and bringing yourself glory. And establishing your forever kingdom. That's why I'm making these plans. Not so I can find confidence and security in them, so that you would use us again. So we don't make plans to relieve anxiety or to make more money for security. When you're making these plans for 2018, is there any consideration for the providence of God? Is there any consideration for the parenting and the time in the Word and the money that you make? Is there any consideration? Are, you, are we asking ourselves, God, how are you going to use this to build your kingdom through the church? That will change a lot. That will change a lot in your heart in that it's humbling. Humble yourself before Him. God, I'm making these plans, but You use it. And I hope that the next 15 years, starting tomorrow, if he doesn't come back. And if the Lord wills it tomorrow, we start another 15 years of being a people who say, Who are we? Who are we? That he's doing this. What is my life? And we pray big prayers, and I pray we make big plans and big dreams. Because there's nothing wrong with that. And we are. And I hope you have big dreams and plans for your family and for your work. And you say, Lord, if it fits in your will, if it aligns with your plan for building your kingdom through the church, is there any consideration at all in your heart, in your plans, in your dreams, in your prayers for your life your choices, and your plans to fit within His ultimate plan of building His kingdom? It's a great question for last day of 2017. And so, we'll do all that and we'll continue to plan and we will do this and that. And we will make a profit. If the Lord wills it. And so we will move in humility, I pray, over the next 15 years, saying, God, we're going to make plans, but we're trusting and humbly submitting all of our plans to your will. And we pray that every decision we make and all the plans we make would fit into you building your kingdom. Before we take the supper, I want you to look back at James chapter 4, 8 through 10, one more time. So many times during um, when we take the Lord's Supper, we, we, I, we don't say this a lot in our approach. Um, I know it's been said before, Ben or Scott or me, but um, I think it's especially fitting that we take our cue from this wisdom resolution in verse 8 through 10 as we approach the table of communion with God, of drawing near to Him. And even though it sounds gloomy, It can be good. okay. Remember James says that just because it's a trial and it's hard doesn't mean it's bad. It's good for you. And so it is good, I think, for us to once again come to this supper mourning our sin. To repent in humility over our double-mindedness. And you know what I mean when I say double-mindedness. This what are you making money for? Well, I'm, I'm living in the world. What are you going to buy? Well, and with no regard for the providence of God and what He's up to. That's the double-minded man. And it's in all of us. And so let's repent from being double-minded. Let's repent of our sin. And let's move towards the supper this morning with humility. Let's come to the supper like a mist and a smoke that bumps into a rock. Look at this again, verse 8. Draw near to God. And He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. When we come to this table with humility, and when we come to it as a mist and smoke and a vapor, we don't leave the table in mourning. You hear me? We don't leave that table in mourning. We leave the table exalted. Not by ourselves, but only by Him. And so we're going to pray and then we're going to pass out the elements. And I want you to do that very thing. Come to Him in humility and mourning over your sin and let's repent of double-mindedness and then let's enjoy Him exalting us in Christ and in no other way. Father, we do um, want to draw near to You now. And we are confident in your plan and your will and what you say. We're confident that you will draw near to us in this moment. And it's my prayer that if anyone here is not trusting in you and your plan and your plan to save them and others through Jesus in this church, that they would repent and enjoy your body broken for them, your new covenant, because of your blood that was shed. And we come to you mourning our sin, and we come to you asking to humble us again before 2018, and that we would continue to be diligent and make plans and move, but always yielding to what your will is in building your kingdom, and that you would change us and transform us. We will draw near to you, And we are confident you will draw near to us in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen.